the first countdown we did started at six and i and it has not done that since then and it did not make me happy that it started at six i didn't like that i don't know that's why. strange six five full that's too much right it's too much this is thank you like even thank on new you. year's eve you don't really jump in and join the countdown until we get to like no five Welcome to Let Loose Comedy's Funny Business, a podcast. My name's Chris Williams, and I am the founder and host of Let Loose Comedy in Santa Barbara, California. I started this podcast because I realized that people just don't know about the world of comedy. Not like jokes and stuff, but like the business side. So I decided that I was going to sit down, and each episode I would talk to a comedian about their experience. In this episode, I sit down with Kalia McNeil. Clea is an actor and a stand-up comedian originally from the Bay, but is now living in Los Angeles. Clea is ridiculously funny. I mean, she is what we call in the business a murderer because she leaves nobody left alive. Like, you're literally trying to catch your breath, and she just keeps making you laugh more and more, and you're like, oh, no, please stop. I want to live. But she doesn't stop because she's just that funny. Do you understand what I'm saying? Clea is incredible. And that's why in 2022, Kalia performed at the Netflix as a Joke Festival and was named one of the new faces of the 2022 Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal. To make things even better, Kalia's first stand-up special, titled Smam, is streaming now. And you have to check it out. Kalia is so professional and so wise. And the conversation I had with her, there's so many little nuggets of, of wisdom that I think we all need at times, and maybe just reminders. And a lot of what Clea is talking about is obviously about comedy, but it can be applied to many realms of life. But with that, here's my conversation with Kalia McNeil. Kalia, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. 10 o'clock in the morning. We're doing this. I, <laughs> I just appreciate you. Thank you for coming up and doing the show. Um, uh, you are. Thank you for having Oh, of course. You are hilarious, and I know you know that. But the feedback that I've received uh, is overwhelming, even just for me. Um, and so I'm taking oh, credit for some for some of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I, I know mean, she's like. You, you booked the show. You booked the show. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, but still, you came up and you delivered, and I just, I really appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. You have a lot going on right now. <sighs> Yes, um, which is a good thing. Uh, a, a whole, I mean, shoot, just in general. But, you know, this week alone, I'm going to have to say goodbye to L.A. for about eight, nine days. I'm headed to Vegas next week yeah. to uh, do the world premiere of my comedy special, Smam. Yeah. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, it will be on streaming services available to you very shortly, um, as well as your Spotify's, your Apple Music's and all this and that. So, uh, Smam, be on the lookout for that. And and then I'm hitting the road. I feature for Jesse Mae Peluso often uh, okay. when I'm not headlining and we're hitting uh, Texas in a few days. Hey. So that'll be fun too. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have your special coming out, but we got to go back to the start. We have to okay. go, we have to go back, back, back. You're from the Bay, right? Correct. And then you went to college at Clark Atlanta. Correct. Oh, it's Clark Atlanta. And is and that that's kind of where I, yeah, that's yeah. where the performance bug was born. Um, Growing up, and it's weird because it's like you don't realize until you're kind of in the thick of it as an adult yeah. that things you were doing as a child were like 
subconsciously grooming you for yeah. what you're doing right now. And as a kid, like my mother had us in a lot of oratorical contests. We were always doing public speaking and this and that. And um, because of that, I never had uh, the fear of public speaking mm -hmm. um, that a lot of people have. So that part of it was never, it's never an issue of, oh my God, how am I going to get up in front of those people? Because it's something that I've always been doing. Yeah. Um, now, when I started going to Clark Atlanta, a historically uh, black college. Correct, yeah, correct. Yeah. I um, I majored in theater arts. That's what I have my degree in. And when I was on campus, I would host a lot of events. Again, uh, subconsciously building this quick wit, this if something happens on the spot, what are you going to do? Yeah. This is a live audience. It's just you and the mic and them. I was building that and not knowing it because, quite honestly, I've always had kind of like an outgoing comedic personality yeah. and people have always asked me if try comedy try comedy but um what i always tell people is i've always wanted to be an actor okay okay i've always wanted to be a comedic actor specifically and the reason being listen i grew up in the 90s and the people that i really looked up to one of the people that i really looked up to is whoopi goldberg I, now of course yeah, i was hoping you're gonna <laughs> say that because when i watch you is, i consider her my only muse so if you're saying what i think you're about to say that's a true compliment. Yes. Thank you very much. Yes. And what's what's funny is, of course, we know now. Of course, I know that Whoopi Goldberg was a stand-up. Yeah. But what I tell people is you got to understand, by the time I was old enough to know who she was, she was a comedic actor. Yes. She was Sister Act. She was Eddie. She was Ghost. She was all this and that. So I'm looking at this lady, and I'm like, I want to do what she does. Even as far as Martin and Eddie Murphy, they were movie stars and TV stars by the time we knew who they were. Yes. By the time I was old enough to say Martin, Eddie, Whoopi, that's what they were doing. Now, of course, as I got older, I realized that they came from stand-up, but... That wasn't what I was looking at. Like, that was my tunnel vision. That was the goal. And so when people would ask me, oh, have we tried stand-up? It's like, well, no, I'm an actor. I'm not a stand-up. No, 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 no. I'm an actor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, what really did it was after graduating from college, I worked for Royal Caribbean Cruise Line for a year. And what, I hosted do? shows oh, okay. and I DJed okay. on the cruise ship. Real DJing or are you plugging uh, in an iPod shuffle? Oh, no, real DJing. Okay. So that's, this is what was funny is because – I'm, I'm with the shits. Okay. <laughs> so they they very much so wanted us to, here's your playlist. Yeah. Here's your, and just play your playlist. I'm like, fuck that. This is going to be a lit party. What you talking about? <laughs> uh, welcome to America, bitch. Right. And so, yeah, I, 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 was, I was doing my thing. But I would see these stand-ups come on and yeah. do like a two-week run and then yeah. leave and do a couple days and then leave. And I'm yeah. watching all this comedy and I'm like, hmm, I wonder. And so when I got back to Atlanta uh, in 2012, I did a amateur night. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I I was extra with it. I did, I, went, I made myself a t-shirt that said I still have the shirt said Kalia on it. Um, mm -hmm. well, you look, and you know I when, love, but you it's a confidence. <laughs> you have confidence in yourself. You know, and went all out, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. Um, I did it. Now I don't have to do it anymore because I'm an actor. <laughs> and then I moved to LA to be an actor. And I was working at Enterprise. Okay. And mm -hmm. literally, I was kind of trying to juggle those grinds. And uh, in about maybe 2014 or so, I, I linked up with somebody. And there was a comedy club out here that unfortunately did not make it out of the pandemic called the Comedy Union. Yeah. Uh, which was a yeah. very historic. It was yes. one of the very few Black-owned clubs in America. And everybody has come through the Comedy Union from Jerry Seinfeld to Kevin Hart. Yes. Everybody has come yes. through there. Historic. And they used to do these shows every first 
uh huh, every first and third Thursday. And I met the guy who ran these shows. His name was Vince Devereaux. He was an old school Def Jam guy. Okay. And so what he did was he was like, hey, I'll give you these 10 tickets. Okay. You sell them and you can open up my shows. Now I'm looking at the ticket and there's no price on the ticket. So I asked him, I said, well, how much do you need right. for yeah. these tickets? And he was like a hundred dollars. I'm like, bet. So I would often sell the tickets for like 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I can get my little money on the side. And I, I, one thing I want a lot of comedians to listen to what I am about to say, because this is what irritates me and not even irritates me because it's not to the point where I get irritated anymore. But if I see that you're not serious about it, we don't have much to talk about. Okay. I knew that I had to give him $100 really to perform. Yes. That's what you're you doing. You wanted me to sell 10 tickets. I, I, and there was nothing about me. For him to not ask for that. Mm-hmm. I knew I was great, but he didn't know me from a can of paint. So who am I? And how else am I going to get on this stage? Mm-hmm. So if there were days that I just had to give him $100, if there were days that I only sold $50 worth of tickets, he still got his 100 Yeah. And then it's, hey, y'all, I got some free tickets. Yeah, yeah, because you needed y'all people there. You have to be creative with what you do. Sometimes you do have to pay to play. That's just what it is. That you know, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Comedy is a really, uh, as I said, funny business, right? I mean, we have people who work at a door for years just to get space, you know, to go up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know many spaces that are like that. I don't know many sort of, uh, you know, other worlds that you are kind of in it, but you're kind of not, and they they kind of exploit right. you in a way. I mean, there is this thing of exploitation, and and we, you know, we should, that's important uh, to mention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it teaches you. The grind, whether it's good or bad, the grind is important. And mm-hmm. one thing, not to sidetrack, but one thing that I admire so much about you is your professionalism, your straight professionalism, your dedication, your discipline. I don't see a lot of people like that in comedy. And I haven't been around for a very long time. So, don't, you know, I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but your dedication, discipline, and professionalism. It just shows in everything that you do. I mean, wow. everything Thank that you, you do. Yeah. And and I mean that from your Instagram stories to when you walk on a stage, just emailing you, t- you know, talking to you, everything that you do. And um, I think a lot of people are discouraged by, like what you said, those, selling those 10 tickets. A lot of people, there's like, well, I can't come up with that or do this. And look, it's not always fair. But like you said, if you had to spend $100 to get on that stage, then your ass better be $100 ready. And that makes mm-hmm. you prepare your material and go to work and write and sit there. And I, I mean, I'm just glad that you just off the jump pointed that out because it's it's yeah. important. It's it's very important. And it's one thing like I just, you know, the things that people complain about, it really bothers me. Oh, I can't go up at the clubs. I can't do this. I can't do that. Then do your own thing. Uh, and that's part of the reason I really support Let Loose because when I felt like this was my thing is I was getting the stage time. Mm-hmm. I was doing the crack em ups and I was doing the comedy union and this and that, but I wasn't getting paid. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I- I'm going to these rooms that have a hundred, 200 people in them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a two drink minimum. Right. Where the money. And at? they pay $20 for tickets. And I'm, I'm begging you for a drink ticket. <laughs> I'm I'm be- I'm begging you for a comp meal. Right. Okay. How can I get in on this? Right. So I started uh, producing my own shows. Um, I started two shows. I did a show called The Office Show, literally 
because uh, a friend of mine had a tax and accounting firm on Crenshaw and Slauson. Hey, okay. And what we would do was every third Thursday, uh, we would go in there and his office would close at six o'clock. We would move all the desks, everything yeah. to the side. Yeah. I would bring in chairs. I would go to Ralph's and I would get cat. I would get um, two pounds of catfish nuggets okay. and two pounds of potato wedges. And we would sell plates at the show with drink. Yep. Okay. Yeah. There would be maybe 50, 70 chairs in there. Tickets for the show were like 10 bucks, five bucks. And what we would do is the office show, uh, it would be music, comedy, and poetry. Mm -hmm. So I would have like two music artists, uh, two poets, and like three or four comedians. You're getting a mixture of people in there. Number one, you got to think, because I'm like, I'm trying to make money. How do I make money? Right, right. I, I, if I can get a diverse audience, there's more of a chance because if I just do a straight comedy show, not that people won't show up, but people will show up for music. Right. People will show up. And then you're getting people who would probably have never shown up for your show because they're showing up for their musician friend yep. or their poet friend. And we did the office show every month for about two years, uh, two and a half, three years. Uh, and then I decided to do just a straight comedy show okay. every other Wednesday called Wine Down Wednesday. And the way that came about was there was this wine cellar in Hollywood. Um, and it eventually moved from there cause they sold that place. But, um, I, I was very deliberate with my shows and wind down Wednesday was just a comedy show. Yeah. We sold wine at the show and you listen to people. And what I liked about it is number one, I was very deliberate about only having my shows in the black Beverly Hills area. Mm -hmm. So that would be for those who are unfamiliar, that would be like the Ladera Heights, uh, View Park, Baldwin Hills, uh, Windsor Hills, specifically yeah. in South LA, not South Central. I did, there were some shows that ventured a little closer to Inglewood, Hawthorne, and things of that nature. But the reason uh, that I had my shows in those areas, number one, I always made sure to have my shows inside of an independently owned business, mm -hmm. usually a black owned business. And again, comics, listen, again, I'm trying to make money, not spend money. Why do you have these shows? You're not paying for a fee. You have to let your skills shine. Yeah. Uh, one of my side gigs is social media management. Mm. So I would go to these small businesses. Hey, I will run your social media account. Give me three months because it takes about three months to get a good algorithm going to really see if the changes are working. Give me three months and please allow me to have my show here. Number one, I'm bringing people into your business by having this show here who would yeah. have never come to your business. Yeah. Number two, let's see how we can make your social media grow. And that was the barter. I mean, people pay thousands of dollars. You know, I have clients that that pay me pretty well, yeah. you know, to be the ghost on their social media page. Yeah. You know, whether my page has millions of followers or not doesn't matter. Right. Uh, I have clients who do. Yeah. And I'm the ghost on their page and they pay well for that. And so I'm like, hey, let me take this service. I can't at the time. It's like I can't afford to rent your space. Right. But I want. To, to, to play here. So how do we do this? And, you know, it, it, it becomes a barter system. Yeah. You just have to make sure that the barter makes sense. I can't say that and then now nobody shows up. Or I can't say that and then I'm not talented. And it all goes back down to the professionalism. Part of the reason I'm so professional is because, and what someone told me once is, your contract gets longer as bullshit happens to you. Mm. Once something crazy happens... Okay, that's never happening again. Mm -hmm. And let me make sure I don't ever do that to somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, what irritates me, I'm not going to do that to somebody else because that could irritate them. That's another reason I love comedy shows that are ran by comedians. Yes. When yes. you ask me to do your show, I mean, from top to bottom, the email, 
the 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 sheet that I got the day of the mm-hmm. show. Like everything was just boom, boom, boom. Any question that I would have had was answered. Yeah. Before I, I even had the chance to ask it. Yeah. And I, you know, and and I appreciate you talking about that because that's one reason I started this. I mean, I'm only I'm I'm approaching a year and a half into comedy. That's it. Yeah. But I looked around and I said, there has to be more. We can do better. We can set an example. You know, I was inspired by people laugh after dark. I, I saw what was happening there. And I was like, wait a second. I saw Chocolate Sundays. Well, why can't I do that and do it in a predominantly white neighborhood, but bring voices of color here and pay the comics and have a good time and watch this thing grow and do a podcast yeah. where I get to sit down and talk to to people like you who are just spitting knowledge and game that that comics and everybody needs to listen to and and enrich everybody you know i mean that's to me the comedy community is is it's vast but it's also a very tight-knit group when Mm -hmm. it's done right little big world yes it yeah a little big world and um that's i think what makes it special at times you know Mm -hmm. i mean really i mean it's what makes it good and bad but it is so tight-knit you know when when i was looking for comics i've had now over two thousand people uh, apply for the show submit for the show like really and that is very overwhelming because i try and That's watch phenomenal. everybody's tape like i really do <laughs> but when i now sta- you get it yeah yeah but when i started this your name was one of the first names that everybody said you gotta you gotta you gotta get her you gotta get her you gotta get her on and i knew i knew and and um yeah. and it's the way you hold yourself it's the way that, that you 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 know you approach it and and i think it's just who you are and it's it's incredible and, and I mean, it's it's too, when other comics see, like when I saw, because of course I had heard of your show before you reached out to yeah, me, yeah. because I had other friends that have done your show, other yeah. colleagues, and it's one of those, when you when I saw certain people on the show, mm-hmm. I said, okay, this ain't no bullshit, because I know he not about the bullshit, Mm-mm. so he wouldn't be on this, like Arthur, mm-hmm. I know how Arthur is, I-, I know how Arthur is, he ain't driving to Santa Barbara for no BS. Nope, nope, yep. So I'm like, okay, yep. and more than once. Yep. Yep. And, and so I'm like, I'm like, okay. And we're going to get Arthur out again because I need him on the big stage. So Arthur, we got you. Don't worry. Don't worry. So let, let's go back to when you started. Now you've decided you're doing stand-up. You, you've, you're, yeah. you're still an actor, but you're like, all right, I'm doing stand-up. What were those early jokes like? What was that like? How long ago was that? That's always a very difficult question to answer because I feel like once you start walking in your purpose, the timeline disappears. Yeah. And what I mean by that is because I cannot give you the exact moment when I said, okay, because it was, there was a good chunk of my time in LA where everything was simultaneous. Gotcha. It was working 10 hours a day, going to a show or two, hopefully getting an audition, rinse, repeat, rinse, mm-hmm. repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this in 2016, I told myself I didn't want to work anymore Okay. Um, because so when I first moved to L.A., I, I it took me about two years. I moved here in 2013. Between 2013 and 2015, I did all of these standard just moved to L.A. actor jobs. Got I, uh, you know, went on Craigslist and did the whole, oh, we, we'll pay you $150 today. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I literally have a scar on my leg. And L.A. I don't know if you can yeah, see this. Yeah. This yeah. scar here. 
there was a, a show that I did before I made it into the union, which is why I tell people, stop doing these non-union shows. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those, we pay you $500 at the end of the day. I was like, oh shit, that's a good check. Right. In the goddamn hurting myself because it was a ridiculous, you know, clown farce of a show. Um, so did all that, you know, I PA'd, I did this and that. And I started to notice, you know, as I was PAing, uh, that I was getting very upset being behind the camera, mm. looking at someone do something that I could do better. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I quit working behind the scenes, I started working, uh, I was working corporate, I was working for Enterprise, I was a manager. And uh, I told myself in 2016, I said, I don't want to work anymore. I said, I, I said that, so, listen, you have to get to the point where you're willing to be scared. And I knew that I was at the point where I'm like, I cannot keep operating on this 60-hour work week, mm-hmm. plus stand-up, plus acting classes, and not booking any gigs. That's right. just money going out. Yeah. And I'm 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 physically just ill and sick of this crap. Yeah. So in 2016, I took that year and I saved everything. I saved all my checks. I maybe I literally I spent money on rent. Um and like I would buy vegetables and shit. Okay. Like yeah. I just yeah. I saved everything. Yeah. Um April of 2017, I quit my job. I haven't worked a job since. Hey. I quit my job and I said, I have to break I have to give everything to stand up and comedy and 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 see what's going to happen. And what sparked that was in 2016, I I was at church. Okay. And I heard my bishop give the same sermon Three times in a year. Okay. Now, this is the thing. This is what I tell people. The Bible ain't changing. So, right. of course, you're going to hear your preacher, you know, they're going to repeat shit. Yeah, Christmas gotta... is Christmas. Yeah. Easter is Easter. We know what we're talking about right, today, right, you know? Right, But there are certain things that just were so uncanny. And what it was is, and, and not to get too spiritual, just telling y'all no. again what took me Do to this you. point was he gave this sermon how people misconstrue the phrase, oh, girl. Uh, excuse me, God will grant you the desires of your heart. Okay. A lot of people take that and they think, I desire a million dollars, God's going to give me a million dollars. Yeah. I desire to be a superstar. No, what that means is when you woke up this morning, the thing that you're like, I have to do this, the thing that you've always had to do since being a child, Yeah. that's the desire. So that for me has always been performance. Mm -hmm. But in order to get that desire, you got to get a key. You got to unlock it. You got to work for it. Yeah. And it hit me the moment he said that, because I am an actor. I've only recently, and I mean, re- I've been doing stand-up for 10 years, and it's maybe been the last two years where I've been comfortable introducing myself as a comedian first. Okay. Okay, and wow. And I told myself, I said, well, how am I going to act? And then it hits me. It's like, well, stand-up is your gift. Yeah. Stand-up is the key. Stand-up is the work to get you the desire. In that moment, I was like, okay, started saving everything, quit my job in April of 2017. Okay. A week later, I booked my first acting gig. There we go. And what was crazy was ever since then, most of the acting gigs that I book are not comedic. That's I do a lot of dramatic acting, you know, like I did a very uh moving role like like on SWAT. Um you know, just all, all every show, like, and it was cr- funny because my recurring role, the role that I'm most known for, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a comedy. Yeah. It's a, it's a comedy show. Yeah. But my role was not that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, it's so crazy to me because I'm like, well, that's where the theater comes into play. See. But it also shows an extreme duality. And it always really shocks casting directors because when casting directors find out that I'm a stand-up, they're kind of looking at me like, all right, let's get this over with. <laughs> right. And then I hit them with the audition and they're like, you do stand-up comedy? But that's also why I'm on stage and I fall into these characters. When I'm talking to my, about my dad, you're going to see my dad. Yeah. If I'm talking about Rolo, you're going to see Rolo, my dog, for those who don't know, that's who yeah. Rolo is. And Cute, cute dog, by the way. I, I, cute. <laughs> and he knows I it. I take Every, oh, yeah. yeah. I take every moment on stage and I use that as an audition because you're not going to leave that show not thinking that you didn't just see three or four people on that stage in one person. You know, you uh, being new to comedy, uh, the thing that I <laughs> haven't brought to the stage yet that I need to do more of is my characters and my silliness. And and uh -huh. I think part of that is letting go of some of the insecurities and, and, and whatnot. But watching you on that stage, as I said, Instantly, I saw the the bits of Whoopi Goldberg coming through, but with this mm. with this beautiful new modern, very secure, um, just grounded performance. And your narrative, your your storytelling ability. Somebody else walks in behind me. I hear her. Can you show your proof of facts? <laughs> Person behind me. No, and I'm not getting vaxxed. I turn around. Lady gets up saying, you mean to tell me I can't eat if I'm not vaxxed? And the host was like, no, 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 you can eat. Just not in here. You need to order your food outside and pick it up round back. And like when she said that, like I immediately went to character. I hyped up my pants. I said, did you hear what she said, girl? was removed from the restaurant. I'd look at it. It's a conversation with friends. Mm -hmm. um, before I hit the stage, I'm always very nervous. And um, I tell people, if I'm ever at a show and I'm not nervous, I don't need to be there because I don't want to be there. That's fair. It's, a, it's a let me get this out of the way. And so every show, you know, I was very nervous before your show. These people had never seen me before. Yeah. I'd never performed in Santa Barbara. So this is big deal for me. Yeah. I don't care if it was five people there. Yeah. I'll be nervous. Yeah. And so what I like to do and the audience will never realize it because that's where the acting comes into play. It's like, okay, let me mask my nerves once I get up here. So I can't be up here shaking. Mm -hmm. um, I like to get confirmation from the audience that they're with me before I even get started. Now they don't know that that's what I'm doing. Right. So when I get up there and I look at your crowd and I'm like, Man, I didn't know what type of white person mm -hmm, I was about to encounter mm -hmm, out here. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking, I'm like, okay, this hit. Yeah, man, they all congratulate me on the Little Mermaid. <laughs> In my head, that's what I'm doing. Like, right, right. Yeah, like, what, what did they do? Okay. 
Okay, we can begin. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. it's like like you yeah. know, like and you. I just, I'm just like, I'm, 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 I'm very much so. You know, let's address the elephant in the room and get going. Mm-hmm. Because when I first started making money with stand up, I was doing clean comedy at churches. Mm. This, so I would mm. show up, and oftentimes I would see the little old lady <laughs> looking look, at me. That look. And I would get up there and I was like, and I was like, I get it. I yeah. said yes. I play softball. <laughs> let's go. And then you know. <laughs> And 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 uh, elephant addressed. Now we now let, now we now you can ignore that and now you can enjoy my jokes. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Because a lot of times too, I don't do. It's only been recent that I've really done much LGBT material. I have so much in my life that has happened beyond me sleeping with women mm-hmm. that that's not always going to come up. And it's so funny because people will come up to me. And say, I had no idea what she was going to talk about. I thought she was going to be up there like pussy, pussy, pussy. I'm like. <laughs> I don't do that in my everyday right. life. Why would I do that on stage? And that's the thing is, don't, don't, this, your stage you is not different from you. Right. Right. You know what I right. mean? It might be you enhanced, but I'm not going to go up there and, and put on an, an act that is not me. Yeah. Like, that's what acting is for. Yeah. Like, this is not a script. Yeah. You know? I find it funny. Casting directors and I think people in that business, Hollywood, don't cast more stand-ups because when you look at what stand-up comedy is, we are writing, producing, directing, Mm -hmm. we are doing and performing in all of it. We are doing what you're paying 15 people to do on that stage. And we're doing multiple movies at a time. You know what I mean? And so I, 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 it just always amazes me. And I guess now we are seeing more stand-ups get serious roles and things like that. But it, I'm I'm always taken aback by that. It's like, why are people well, surprised? I, like, I get it because you got to think about there of all the standups. There are a lot of standup comedians there are, out here. There are in the world. How many are actually good mm. at crossing over into the dramatic as well? Now we can do the slapstick all day, sure. and we can do this and we can do that. But can you watch them like? Steve Carell is an excellent example of this. Steve Carell, in my opinion, does not get enough credit for the damn good dramatic actor that he is. Yeah. There are roles that Steve, I don't know if you've seen this show on Apple TV called The Morning Show. It's very good. He is so good. And I'm watching it. And, you know, when you first start watching it, you're waiting to see that 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, of course. You're waiting to see the guy from The Office. And you don't. Right. And he's able to make you forget about those silly roles. Uh, Jim Carrey has a movie called The Number 23. Mm-hmm. I actually own it on DVD. Those things are still around, y'all. <laughs> and The Number 23, the reason I love it is because you don't see Ace Ventura. Right. You don't see Liar Liar. Right. You don't see uh, uh, anything except for this deeply disturbed man. Yeah. Yeah. Going through some crazy shit. Yeah. In this intense, dark movie, the right. number 23. Right. I think one of the reasons why Steve Carell and, and and Jim Carrey and all these people are so good at comedy and at serious is because they take it serious. Like people, you know, once again, people think that comedians, this goes back to this thing about funny business. People think that comedians are all just goofballs who don't write with intention, with purpose. You know, you have to play – the reason why Steve Carell was so funny on The Office is because he played that comedic role straight. Like he had to be mm-hmm. that character. He wasn't playing for the gag. And you know when you start writing jokes when when you're 
beginning, you just want to laugh. So you get those low hanging fruit. A lot of people do that because they're mm -hmm. playing for the gag. Instead of having attention, instead of saying, this is where I want this joke to go. Why did I write this joke? People yeah. write to get a laugh. And I think, yes, obviously that's the purpose. But to me, when you're on a microphone and you're, you're captivating an audience and you have this platform, I feel that there is a purpose. I have a purpose. What am I trying to say on this? What is the mm -hmm. intention? And I think it's the mm -hmm. same thing, you know, with, with Ace Ventura. Yes, was he overacting at times? Uh, Jim Carrey, of course. But, but it's like still even when character. you look at Ace Ventura, yeah, look at what this man is doing. Mm -hmm. Like, go back and watch these movies. Jim Carrey is a goddamn genius. That man does comedy from his, yeah. from his face. Yes. To his feet. I can't, I don't know how he was walking mm -hmm. after 12 hour days on set <laughs> yeah, yeah. with doing all that, like, and just, and, and being so committed to it. Like, this is going to look bizarre, yeah. but well, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, you know, like this certain thing, like, what was it? Liar, liar. He's wrapping the tape oh, around his God. face. And, uh, it's like. We would have, somebody I, now would have a stunt <laughs> man doing that. <laughs> of course. <Right. laughs> Like, what if it rips my hair out? Right. It's going to rip my hair. <laughs> like, the fuck? And I'm talking about me. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shoot. So, <laughs> all right. So you have a special coming out, but I know, mm -hmm. I know you have a bombing story. We got, we got to hear a bombing story. I know. Like, okay. when I say bomb on stage, I'm talking about going up there and it just ain't nothing you are doing horribly. What's the story? I am going, with? my, my, so I, I look at bombing very differently than other people. And I, I'm saying this up front. I feel like I have only ever bombed once. Fair. And this is why I say that. Not saying that every show I do is a knockout of the park. I've been doing this 10 years. Mm -hmm. Every show has not been a knockout <laughs> of the park. Right. But there's only been one show that I've done. And when I got off stage, I was done with comedy. <laughs> Pack it up. Let's go home. Moving so, back. <laughs> <laughs> this was like, ooh, this was about, uh, I'm trying to think of where I was living at the time. That always lets me know what year it was. This was about 2016, 2017. Okay. And I had been running this set uh, at Flappers in Burbank. Okay. I had been running it at the Comedy Store. I had been running it at the Comedy Union. And so I'm like, oh, this is this is my set. Like, I'm killing it at all these different spots. You know, right. Burbank is different than Hollywood, is different than the Comedy Union, which is a black club. Right, right. So I got asked <laughs> to do a show to open for Michael Blackson okay. at... Um, the J spot. Now the J spot. <laughs> You're the second person. That's the first time I did comedy was at the J spot, but you were the second person to mention the J spot. So I know it's going to be good. Let's do this. The J spot for those who don't know, uh, I say was slash is because the J spot be open and closed when the fuck it feel like. <laughs> uh, but the J spot is a comedy club in Inglewood. Yep. Owned by uh, J Anthony Brown. Yep. Um, so I'm doing the J spot now. Holland, I know it's in Inglewood, you know, it's a black club, but I had been doing the comedy union, right? Which is a black club. Right. So I'm like, I cool. got this. I remember I walked in there. I was excited from jump. I get there. They treated me well. Okay. The green room area was cool. The food was delicious. Yep. And Michael Blackson's manager walks in to the green room. 
and he sees me and he's like, how long you been doing comedy? And I was like, oh, three, four years. And he was like, oh, oh. And I'm like, oh, this motherfucker don't know. I've been killing it <laughs> right. at Flappers. So, ugh, to yourself, nigga. And he says to me, he literally says to me, he's like, a, <laughs> he's like, I already know what you're going to talk about. Uh, and I was like, you do? And he was like, yeah, I already know what you're going to do up there. And I was like, all right. So, I get on stage. I... <laughs> I get on stage. Now, let me say this was I was paid in two drink tickets. Okay. That's important to the okay. story. Okay. Okay. And and food. So I just eaten. I get on stage. This set is going so bad. <laughs> like as I'm talking, I'm just at this point, I'm not even performing anymore. I'm just like, okay, so I'm at this point, I'm like, just get through the set because okay. you can't you just can't leave save the this. stage. And like there are two Hispanic ladies in the front row, and they're just like, <laughs> "Oh, oh!" <laughs> like, and so I leave. The, I I finish the set, and me saying goodbye got more applause than anything. Oh, um, and this is again what like let's bomb on top of the bomb. Why don't we? As I leave the stage, I walk past Michael Blackson's manager, who's like, "Oh no. yeah, like I said, oh you know." I go straight to the bar and I'm like, "I want to cash these two drink tickets in for a double, yeah, vodka Red Bull." Mm-hmm. And I slid the drink tickets over it. Then I hear the host, who let me tell you something: as a host, there is a way to bring the crowd back after a bomb without fucking embarrassing the person yeah. that just bombed. Yeah, so. The host goes, well, at least we know she's smart. She's using big words and real articulate. But baby girl, you got to know when to get off the stage. I don't even turn around. Mm-hmm. The bartender at this point is now like, well, baby, they just weren't smart enough for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, ma'am, give me my drink. <laughs> give me my drink. And I left. And I was done with comedy for about two, three weeks. But did you actually stop doing comedy for two, three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. You you took like because people talk about you took the break. You're like I need to. Whew. No, I didn't even take a break. I was done. Oh yeah. <laughs> when the break? I was done. We had broken this, up with comedy. This is this is what happened. Is somebody reached out to me? There was a there was a room like near Compton or yeah. some shit yeah. called the living room. Okay. And they were like, "You want to do a show at Teddy Ray?" Okay. Wow. Teddy Ray just, Ooh, just peace, Teddy Ray. Yep. It just it just hit me that that's who hit me about that. Teddy Ray hit me about the show. He's like, hey, you want to do the show? The living room is in Compton. <sighs> Thinking about what just happened at right, the J spot. And I'm like, and he and then, then Teddy in true Teddy, true Teddy fashion. Hey man, they got the bomb ass chicken plate stuff. <laughs> and he's like, we'll pay you and we're gonna give you some chicken. Like, okay. Like I looked this place up and all I saw were reviews about the chicken plate. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm at least I get fed at least about to go get some chicken. Right. So I walk into this place and it is I, I feel like I'm in a scene from Snowfall. I'm trying mm. to figure out why there's not Coke everywhere. <laughs> it's like some seedy bar. Um the 
you know, like the, you know how like when when you go to like a, a banquet, how they make that little weird ass dance floor yeah. back, and there was yeah. like a dance floor, yeah. and you know, and a mic, and like there were niggas playing pool in there and eating chicken. And <laughs> first thing I did when I got there, I said, you know what? Because they gave me two drink t- two yep. tickets, yep. which could be used for food or drink. First thing I did when I got in there, I said, let me get my a chicken plate, please. <laughs> Get my chicken plate. Because I, I just knew I was about to suck. Right. I just did this three right, weeks right. ago. You're like, I know what's going to happen. I'm not good at this. <laughs> so I get my chicken plate, and then I go up there to do my set. Yeah. And then as I'm doing the set, there's this big dude, Suge Knight-looking dude just sitting in the back. Mm-hmm. He's not playing pool. He ain't eating no chicken. He just sitting Just there. sitting there. Then he starts walking up. Towards the stage. Now, this is not a proper stage. I'm not elevated. I'm right. he walking towards me. And I'm telling my jokes and I'm kind of like, I'm talking, but I'm looking at this man that's like walking towards me. We're not in the club. There's no security. Right. I don't know what's about to happen right. to me. Walks up, takes some money, he throws throw- it and walks, walks away. And I was like, okay. okay. And I keep doing my thing couple other guys start walking towards me, throwing money. And then I stop and I said, am I supposed to shake ass? I said, what is this? <laughs> no, that's what we do when we fuck with you. Hey. I said, oh, okay. So I kept doing it. Yeah. Set went well. I bought a second chicken plate <laughs> with the money that they threw. And then I cashed in that drink ticket for a drink. And I told myself, and this was what was difficult. From that point forward, the next. <laughs> I'm sorry, just you bought the, another chicken plate. You're like, yeah, okay, good. I love goddamn it. Goddamn right. Yeah. It was great chicken. <laughs> um, the next year, unless I was like properly booked at yeah. a club, yeah. I forced myself to only do bar shows mm. so that I could get comfortable. And because what it was is, and it's funny because I feel like I could go to the J spot today and do that same set and murder. What yeah. it was is I hadn't, even though we do this in everyday life, mm-hmm. I hadn't developed code switching in my set yet. So I was delivering the set the same way I would deliver it to white folk in Burbank. Yeah. The same way I was delivering it to tourists at the comedy store. Yeah. And even though the comedy union is a black owned club, uh, there's a difference between the black person that's going to get up, put something nice on, drive to kind of like the borderline of Hollywood and go to this club right. versus the one that's just going to get up and go to the J spot. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just different but audiences. It is, it's a different, you know, type of black person. Black people are a spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a different class of, of black person at, you know, the comedy union where, yeah, I could, again, deliver that joke, those jokes the same exact way. Versus, um, you know, and so I, you know, I, I realized it was the code switch was the issue. And mm. what's so funny is I remember that host's name. I'll never forget her. Uh, I remember I moved into a studio apartment off Crenshaw mm-hmm. and she was the building manager. And uh, she kind of used to kind of give me shit and say little snarky things. You still doing comedy? And, you know, oh, like, just mm, like, okay. bitch, fuck mm-hmm, exactly. And it's funny because. She randomly popped up on my Facebook page, Kalia Funny, about a week ago. Okay. Uh, putting fire emojis and hands up emojis, oh. all my shit. And I'm like, Mm-mm. 
Where were you at then? Yeah. And that's why it's like, that's why it's like, I don't argue, you know, uh, yeah, you, you don't have to like me. You can say whatever you'd like to say, but the work is going to speak for itself at all times. And it does. And it does. I, you know, I hate bar shows, but obviously I play a lot of bar shows. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, You know, I don't hate them, but it's funny to watch comedians who think that they're going to get an applause break while there's a Laker game going on at a bar. And to me, like you said, getting comfortable, a bar show is great. I always say, if you can just get one person to turn around and pay attention to you for five minutes, you killed your set. Like those are the little things that that's a great place to work on moments. Yeah. You have to be comfortable in that environment. Like it's just use it. If a Laker game is on shit, that's what we talk about. Yeah. Like just use something because all you need is one little thing to capture somebody's attention real quick. Yeah, yeah. That's all you need is this. Yeah, yeah, just that turn. Yep, that's it. And then you got them. That's, uh, well, you've come a long way uh, from from having money thrown at you and chicken plates uh, um, <laughs> doing comedy. I, I, I would love that right now. You're like, you're like, you're like actually, and, and you, you would... You, you probably wouldn't mind some money thrown at you too, to be honest. No, hey. <laughs> That's the dream. It's funny though. At the, at the event I was hosting last night, it was a burlesque show, yeah. and it, you know the girls are on stage and getting money thrown at them. And I went up there to say something, and somebody threw it, and I was like, "Well, shit." Yeah. That's actually where this dollar came from. Well, you know, I when I started this show, I Vivian Storm, who is a drag queen here in Santa Barbara, uh, and mm-hmm. her partner Angel Demond, they have uh, something called glitter brunch it's our drag brunch here Mm -hmm. and it is so Mm -hmm. fun and i went Mm -hmm. um and it inspired me to start this show and actually you know vivian is black and she has been in my corner from the beginning and is always pushed and so i would go every sunday and rehearse these jokes and wear some of the merch that we had and invite people out to the show and do these things and i wouldn't let loose would not be a thing if it were not for um glitter brunch and and vivian and Wow. The whole that community who showed me that mm-hmm. in Santa Barbara we can do something besides what I thought people like to do. So I mean, people yeah. like to do a lot of things. You just have to give them the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Sometimes people, it's like it's like when somebody's like, "Do you have any questions?" Well, sometimes I don't know what questions I have. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Until like, I'm presented with something that just confused the shit out of me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know. But with that. You just uh, had what about a month ago? Maybe maybe a little more than a month ago. You uh, you got to do just for laughs in Montreal. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. About two months ago. Two months ago, the comedy festival, one of the comedy festivals in the world that just makes people. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. it is known, and you were named one of the new faces for 2022. And yeah. What, can you just walk me through that whole process? Because I, for people at home, like this is. When you get that, that's the dream. There are documentaries about yeah. it. There are this is this is a moment in in your career that people say just changes everything. And it's absolutely huge. Um, How did it come yeah, about? Yeah, just for laughs is you know the world's largest comedy festival. It's it's the world's most prestigious and premier comedy yeah. festival. Um, and what's crazy is, and again, as everything in my life, it did not happen the traditional way. Mm. Uh, traditionally, uh, you submit uh, to be a JFL new face. Uh, I don't know what the submission process is or the submission fee, but you know, you submit, mm-hmm. you pay, and you get an acceptance or rejection letter. Um, 
the 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 comedy festival happens in Montreal, mm-hmm. and it's a huge deal for the city of Montreal as yeah. well. Like yeah. people in Montreal come out for JFL, and it's not just the new faces. But this is the thing: is well, I'll get to that when we discuss the actual festival. But you know, like JFL, like you know, you have like this are you know when you go to JFL when you're looking at the lineup of shows you have from Amy Schumer to Kevin Hart to Jerry Seinfeld, everyone. Yeah, it's there. It's there. That whole town. It's there. Yeah, yeah. And has a show at JFL. So this is what happened to me was, um, let's see, I shot my special June 30th. So in about April or May, when they were doing the Big Pine Comedy Festival in San Diego, I got a phone call uh, from this woman who owns a club in Sacramento that um, is considered one of my home clubs that I've been passed at called Laughs Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, and she calls me and comedy club owners don't call. Right, right. So when I saw that she was calling, you know, I picked up, I'm like, hey, what's up? And she's like, hey, send me a, a seven minute tape. And uh, it was in May. Because I had just finished the Netflix is a joke festival. Yeah, congratulations and, on that too. Th- yes, thank you. It was mm-hmm. very mu- very fun. And so I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, now nah, I've I've headlined her club a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why she would want tape. Right. But again, instead of questioning it, people just do it. Mm-hmm. So it's taking me 30 minutes because I have this tape. It's nine minutes, but it is so good. It's very difficult. As you know, the way I tell my story, sometimes it's very hard for me to cut tape. Yeah, yeah. Because my stories are very much so intertwined. They're very cohesive. They're and very cohesive. so I I text her. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I was like, give me a couple more minutes. It's a nine-minute tape. I'm really trying to get it down to seven for you. She's like, oh, just send me what you have. Okay. okay. That's already. Send her the tape. Yeah. Go on about my business. She calls me. About 20 minutes later, hey, I want to tell you something because comedians don't usually hear what's said about them behind their back. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, oh, shit, I done said something wrong. Mm-hmm. What did I Uh-oh. do? And she was like, no, 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 no. She's like, I'm here at Big Pine. I'm sitting with someone. And I showed her your tape. And she was like, yes, I've heard that name before. And I'm giving it to you just how she's giving it to me. Okay. So you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're going to be just as. Oh. I've heard that name before. You know, she's very funny, you know, and and she tells me, yeah, I told I told her that you're a happy hitter. Every time you come to my club, you do well. You bring people like blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool. I appreciate that. She's like, yeah, so I don't know what's going to come of this, but just want to tell you that. I'm like, well, thanks, Jenny. I appreciate it. This was in May. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to June 30th, mm-hmm. the day that I'm shooting my special. Mm-hmm. I had two shows. We did an 8 o'clock show and a 10 o'clock show. Yeah. Shout out to the crowd. At 6 <laughs> at 6 30 um shout out to the crow shout out to laugh after dark yeah um, absolutely you know gonna talk and that's that. no shade to the crow but i say that because i mean the crow was the, the venue right but i mean right. but yeah but laugh we could have gotten a venue yeah so uh eight o'clock ten o'clock 6 30 we're in the green room eating pizza mm-hmm. i get a phone call i ignore it call phone number calls me back i ignore it we're not available now it calls me back Hello? <laughs> That's exactly how I pick. I'm eating pizza. I'm about to do my special. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm absolutely in the zone right mm-hmm. now. Is this Khalil McNeil? Bill Collector. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, this is such and such from Just for Laughs, Montreal. I was sitting with, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just out of respect not saying the club owner's name, but I was sitting with such and such. Do, do you know a such and such? I say, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I was sitting with her when you submitted your tape uh, about a month or so ago. We were both industry together at the Big Pine Comedy Festival, and she knew that I was looking for people for JFL, and she said that you've done her club a lot. And so I saw your tape, and what's funny is another comedian, because they will often reach out to comedians uh, to see, hey, do you have anyone you recommend? Right. Uh, co- comedian uh, Takara Williams, who I love to death, I love her. has recommended me for JFL. So she was like, hey, submit to this link. So I think I just sent a video to the link she sent, but right. nothing came of it. Right. And But when, again, sometimes it's not what you send, it's who is attached to it. Because this woman was sitting as industry with another club owner, and the club owner is like, didn't give her any other name but mine. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. To her, that's that's something. Because don't get me wrong, you trust a comic. Right. But I, if you ask me recommendations, I'm going to give you my friend's names. Hell. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The club owner can 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 love you to death, but it's not going to say your name if right. you're not professional and funny and everything that needs to be done to get to this point. So she tells me, she's like, well, yeah, she submitted your tape to me, and I thought it was hilarious, uh, very inventive, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, so anyways, we want to invite you to Just for Laughs, New Faces. Uh, we're going to put you in the unrepped category. Now, this thing, I have an agent. Wait, wait, wait. wait and I'm wait, like, wait, wait, give me, give me a second. This Hold is on. how she, this is how she does it. So you just, in, you didn't have to audition. You just sent the tape and they're going to put you. I sent you, the tape because someone asked because me to somebody send the tape. Like, okay, I'm sorry. And you, so unrepped and you have, you have representation. And I have an agent. You so have an I'm agent. like. Well, I do. I do have an agent, um, and she was like, "Well, how does she represent you?" I was like, "Well, commercially and theatrically." And she's like, "Okay, well, we're gonna say you're unrepped because she doesn't represent your comedy." Sure. She's like, "We need you. We need you in the festival." I said, "Okay." She's like, "Yeah, it's in four weeks." So here's Shit. what here's the deal. She's like, "You know, you buy this ticket." We give you, I think they gave us like a seven hundred dollar allowance towards the ticket. Okay. I definitely found a ticket that was six fifty. Okay. Um, so you had to pay for your airfare there. Is that what? So you're... what they do is the, you just you pay up front, Got and it. that's only because they're pulling people from yeah. so many parts of yeah. the world. Yeah, it'd be so they're hard like, to just handle it, and then we got you. Yep. And um, so, and that's what I did. Like, uh, they gave you an allowance. If anything went over the allowance, of course, they were only covering that right, amount. Right, right. So I absolutely found a ticket for six fifty. Um, submitted all that to them, and then, of course, leading up to it, you know. And but then, then she's like, you know, you can't say anything. Right. You can't even tell this club owner that right. we had this conversation. Right. And again, this is now. This went an hour before I'm about to shoot my special. So. That first show, when I walk out on stage, I am at such a, like, because my head is like, because when she's telling me this, it's like, I obviously know what JFL is. I've heard of it. Of course. But I didn't apply to it. And two days before that, I saw people on Twitter got my JFL rejection, got rejected from JFL. I remember that day. Fuck JFL. I remember that day. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, damn, that sucks. And then she calls me with this and I'm just like. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, and when they announced it, you know, it was it. Oof. I don't know that I have gotten over JFL yet because JFL is one of those things where there's waves to it. Yeah. There's you getting into JFL. At, well, and then this is the way that I got in. It was very much so like, wait, what are you saying? Yeah, like she magic. drops this bomb on me and this is like, all right, have a nice day. 
And I'm just like, I mean, I will. Right, but but, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's literally. I get off the phone, and Robert and Kelsey from Laugh After Dark are like, "What just happened?" And I'm like, "I, I just got into JFL." They're like, "What?" You know, like Damn. it was a whole thing. Um, so freaking amazing. Uh, and then when you get there. I really didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, like, I don't know, like, am I going to be hazed because I'm one of the new faces? Like, what? what and then what you find out, to be honest, the new faces shows they get you are the-, the shows that people are like, because this is the thing with JFL versus any other festival. Any other festival, you're trying to win the festival. You're trying to be best of fans. Sure. Blah, blah, blah. JFL, you're already assumed that you are the best of the best if you're there. Right. Right, so you're just Getting there to be to JFL you. is the competition. Mm. Once you're there, just do your job. Mm-hmm. And then with JFL, too, it's one of those, you don't know that you've done your job until you leave JFL because that's when the conversations start happening and people start wanting to have meetings with you and this and that. So that's really when it kicks in. Yeah. Like the, the meetings that I've been able to have, the rooms that I've been in and will be in, you know, in the next few weeks are just because of JFL. And it's just, you know, it, it's it's been absolutely amazing. There have been three times that you've been talking about this that I've gotten chills. Just um just to to know the journey and 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 for you to 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 get it like that and and to see what's gonna come out of it. But I have to ask you, one, mm-hmm. how long is your set at JFL? Six minutes. Six minutes. Which is an interesting Six time, minutes. I feel like, because we most people mm-hmm. used to five or seven, you know, and mm-hmm. then you're mm-hmm. now headlining, so you're doing longer. Did you know what your six minute set was going to be like when you when you're like six minutes, you're like, I got this. Or did it? Take- I had yeah, I had an idea. Okay. Um, and and they give us two shows. Um, the first show is your showcase show. Uh, it was at this theater called the Monument Theater. There were a thousand people in there. It is epic. The photos. That they- was some shit. Yeah. yeah. Um. And you know, I had a, I had, I, I definitely had an idea of of what I wanted to do, yeah. Um, because I knew the bits that I had that were very strong, mm-hmm. so I just used those. Now, once you got there, um, they were like, you know, six minutes. If you, you know, play with it, play with it. But I went in there with the mindset of, don't get me wrong, most of this audience are people from Montreal who right. are here to have a good time and enjoy this show. But there are people in this audience that are looking and watching everything that I'm doing. Yeah, to see if a lot I know of industry, a lot of industry is there. It's like I so they say it's like half industry, right? It if if not more, okay. okay. Because you got to understand, a lot of the comics can be industry too. That's a good point. And I say that because my second show, which was in a smaller venue, it was about two fifty seater. George Wallace was there. Mm, he's been George around. Wallace yeah. pulled me to the side and had me on his hip for the rest of the festival purposely putting me in people's faces, introducing me to people. There hasn't been a week since JFL that has gone by that he hasn't texted me, checked up on me, talked to me, you know, so, and we're you know, about, it's things I mean, like that. But George Wallace, for people who don't know, I mean, he is a comedy legend, a legend. Mm-hmm. 40, 47 years. Yeah. I mean, him and Jerry Seinfeld, uh, people don't understand that friendship and just their level. It's different. He, George Wallace ran Vegas for comedy for what, like 15 years he did he a residency? Had, he, had the long, he actually had the longest running, has the longest running show yeah. 
in Vegas history, yeah. and he's actually bringing it back. So. Is he? Okay. And and mm-hmm. he owned everything. Like, I believe mm-hmm. he owned, like, the theater that they, like, he bought everything for it. It's inc- Okay, I'm sorry. I just had to. That is. No, like, that's, that, that was my thought behind it. Um, But, yeah, so, you know, it was, it was great. JFL, uh, I did, I got the most out of JFL because I was very intentional. Yeah. Uh, with with my actions and my movements, it was not just a turn up for me. Now yeah. it was fun as shit. No, but, <laughs> uh, but I was very intentional. Mm-hmm. I do love being but on your social thing media. One thing I will say that I I noticed about a lot of the new faces is, first of all, this story I definitely did not tell at JFL because I didn't need them to know how I got in because yeah. yeah, there would have been some a little bit of resentment there. Yeah. Um, but none of them were were new. You know, they we've all been in it. There was only one of us who was in comedy for three years. Everyone else was seven and up. Hmm. And you know, so it's very much so new. It's subjective. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm talking to George, and I'm like, "Well, he's been in it for 47 years." I was like, "If we take that in in ages, if you have a 10 year old and a 47 year old, this is a grown ass person mm-hmm. and a kid." Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. And I respect it. What do you What do you think it is about? The time, you know, they say it takes about 10 years, what they say. And and we and I've talked to other guests about this, but there are comedians who have bypassed that 10 years and mm-hmm. or, or sped up the clock or whatever you want to say. What what do you think what what happens in that 10 years of comedy that that gets you ready for the big shows? Is it it's just about being intentional. Yeah. Um, the things that are happening for me now, I could have been doing four years ago mm-hmm. had I been intentional. Mm-hmm. Me personally, and I can only speak to me. I, it was very difficult for me because I am gifted at stand up. Mm-hmm. I didn't want people to forget that I was an actor. Mm. And about four years ago, I was booking a lot of gigs, acting gigs back to back to back. So I was just, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do stand up outside of LA. I yeah. was just doing shows in LA. I wasn't, I've, I'd never applied to a festival. I wasn't, I didn't, I was just doing shows in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wasn't trying. The moment I tried, I got in. Yeah. And I started, you know, like literally, like the first festival I applied to, um, I got in. And then, you know, literally everything just started happening from there. And let me tell you how quickly it happens. I say that because what it's weird. That was in 2021. Because during the pandemic or during the lockdown, I should say, um, I was very intentional about the things I did. I didn't mind doing Zoom shows. Zoom Zoom shows were very, did very well for me. I made a lot of money doing Zoom shows. Um because I figured out how to penetrate the screen and still give you a great mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And uh, that worked out very well for me. So I said, I said, well, when we get back out there, I said, I think I do want to go on the road now. Yeah. I applied to a festival in Sacramento, got in one best of fest. Damn. I said, okay. Then I applied to Big Pine in Arizona, got in one best of fest. From those two festivals, that carried me into the top of 2022 where I spent the first three months on the road in Vegas for laugh after dark. Mm-hmm. And then going back to Sacramento to headline a couple times, coming back here, went to San Diego to headline a couple times, coming back here. Um, when I went to uh, the Pacific Northwest, like things just started and it all stemmed from literally August of last year, me saying, fuck it, let me just apply to this festival. Yeah. Now, had I had that mindset four years ago. Right, right. It wouldn't have been a your first special. Inten- and I also, I had no desire to do a comedy special. Again, I 
that that I was I I was like I wasn't all in with stand up. Right, right. I was doing it. Um but again, like I said, I I just I I my acting career was was in a point where I was I was just nervous that people would stop booking me. Yeah. Because I was doing I didn't know how to yeah. How to do the juggling game, which is crazy because then I see like my friends now, like my buddy London Brown, who's killing it on Raising Canaan. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he is now it's funny because it's like you look at somebody and you feel like, oh, man, they got it. And then you talk to them. And they're like, well, I'm trying to do what you're trying to do. I talked to London a couple of weeks ago. He's like, girl, I'm just trying to get back on stage. Yeah. I yeah. love he loves the fact that he's on Raising Canaan, obviously. Right. Of course. Of course. But he's a stand up comedian at heart. That's I've known him for seven, eight years as a stand-up. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my best, my best friend actually, JoJo Gibbs. She's a star of Twenties on BET. JoJo just wants to get back on. She's now doing crack 'em up. She's doing free shows. Yeah. Even though she has a bank account sponsored by Lena Waithe. But it's the love. It's the craft. It's the intention. It's but she's trying to get love. back on stage. You know. Yeah. yeah. So all this shaking down. You have all these meetings. Here you are. How are you going to balance? what's coming next and what what how are you using stand-up to leverage and you know because obviously that's what it sounds like you're in you're in a place now where stand-up is providing more opportunities probably what you want to do a little bit more or not what you want to do but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and acting and Mm -hmm. um what what's the goal and when i say that i mean like what when you you have a special coming out yeah i mean and yeah that's gonna i'm very excited um you have a special. You're you're gonna be touring more. I know you are. I know you're gonna mm-hmm. be doing that. You're gonna be acting a lot more. But when you look at what's next, what's the next thing you're going for? What's the big thing for you? You know, it. I think it is a mixture of all of it. Um, and it's like you don't want to say because you don't want to limit yourself. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I would love to be you know a series regular on something. Um, if not in a feature film. Mm-hmm. Um. I just, I want both of my loves to be what I do. Mm -hmm. If I'm not on set, I'm on stage. If I'm not on stage, I'm on set. Yeah. That's the perfect life for me. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. I would love that. You know, I would absolutely love that. Um, That's it. You're going to get that. That's not a question. (laughs) You're going to get, I mean, there's no question. It's ridiculous. I, I just. I'm telling you the way that you carry yourself, the professionalism, the the insight that you have, um, it is inspiring, uh, and mm-hmm. and it it is something that I hope that people understand because it's one thing to be funny, and it's another thing to you know it's it's like it's mm-hmm. one thing to be funny, it's another thing to be a comic, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's another yeah. you know, and and you you are a comic, you are an actor, you are you know you're. You are a public speaker. Any lane you choose, I, you're clearly a writer as well. I mean, I don't know. Like, so it's I, I don't know. I don't know what you can't do, um, and I don't ever want to find out because I wanted to see you succeed. I can't in anything. pee you, standing up. You can't. Okay, <laughs> I cannot. I've tried. You got to push real hard as a lady. To I, do that. I, I, I don't have that in me anymore. Maybe five years ago, I ain't got it no more. I'm in my thirties, I ain't pissing standing up. You understand me? <laughs> That's it. That's what you can't do. We're uh, you wait. No, we gotta address it. Laugh after dark. Because mm-hmm. because I want to just put this out here right now. Yeah, that is um, 
that show when I when I stumbled across that and 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 found mm-hmm. out what that was, that was the mm-hmm. inspiration for a lot of the stuff that I do. And when I say inspiration, it was it was seeing what was possible and at what level outside of mm-hmm. Los Angeles because I was being from Los Angeles, being from Black River Hills area, uh, and then moving to Santa Barbara. And then starting comedy in Santa Barbara, I the thing was, do I have to be in Los Angeles to make this work? And that's and you, don't. and you don't. And the pandemic has taught us that. I think in a general with 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 entertainment, um, but watching Laughter After Dark and watching what they're building uh, is is just incredible. And I am it is in you know and and I just take my hats off to them and thank you for for inspiring me and a bunch of other people um, and. And I'm just so happy that they're producing your, you know, your, your first just mm-hmm. special. Yeah, and, me too. And I just think it's, it's wonderful for you, you know. You know, and it, you spark something before we go. And let me just say this, because a lot of people struggle with this. Um, if they're in L.A. Mm-hmm. and it might be a little difficult for them here and, and this and that. If they want you, they will send for you. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. I don't live in Texas. I will be in Texas next week. Yeah. I don't live in Washington. When you call, when we spoke on the phone before mm-hmm. the show, yep. I was in the hotel. I just got to a hotel. If they want you, they will send for you. Yeah. And right now, in-person auditions are not are are like slim to none. Yeah. So, you don't have to be here. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to tell people to leave LA. Da, 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 da. I am very much so a believer of of grinding it out because on the other side, it's going to be amazing. But yeah. if you have to step away, don't think that means you're stepping away from the craft. You can still do your craft. Yeah. You can still yeah. do your craft. Yeah. And, and you know, this, this, what we have here at Let Loose has provided opportunities and, and also has allowed me to have these conversations uh, mm-hmm. with people like you who, who just sit here and inspire me and, and, um, I just appreciate you. I really do. I really do. I really yeah, do. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. <laughs> uh, so where are you next? I guess Vegas is where you're next? Vegas on uh, on Monday, yeah. uh, Texas on Thursday, this is, uh, and then uh, back out this way. This is San Diego uh, on, on the 15th. So, just... so what, October, your special drops, what, o- o- October 5th? Officially, yes. October Officially 5th. drops. October 5th and you're you're watching it in the theater with people that is correct it's gonna be a whole event we're doing a red carpet event um uh special will premiere followed by a question and answer cocktail hour I'm very excited about it mm-hmm. and when we see what you do with some cocktails so I, <laughs> my, my favorite thing you are so professional and it, just watch her Instagram and watch how much fun she has because you deserve <laughs> all that fun too that's the thing i love it i love it i love it i appreciate you i appreciate thank you thank you thank you thank Thank you you. absolutely all right (laughs) so that was my conversation with kalia mcneil and i hope you picked up on all the wisdom nuggets that kalia just dropped throughout that Kalia is incredible. So thank you so much, Kalia, for doing this. And she is ridiculously funny. I cannot stress that enough. So please check out her first comedy special, which is streaming now, and it's called Smam. Don't worry, there'll be a link in the notes. Please follow Kalia at whateverkalia on Instagram. And I should note that Kalia is spelled K-A-L-E-A. 
Hey, while you're there, why don't you give us a follow at Let Loose Comedy SB. I also want to give a special shout out to Laugh After Dark for not only producing Kalia's first special and being an inspiration for Let Loose Comedy here in Santa Barbara, but also allowing us to use her audio in this podcast. Let Loose Comedy's Funny Business is a We The Village media production, and we're produced by Daniel Husias. We also feature music by Philip E. Morris. My name's Chris Williams. Please rate, like, share, subscribe. Do whatever you got to do to keep this podcast going. I love doing it, and we love having you as a listener. Once again, this has been Let Loose Comedy's Funny Business. Funny Business.